Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Uh, we are doing a 21-day time of fasting and prayer as a church. And I just want to take a minute to explain to you what that means because I was meeting with someone this last week and they're like, wow, so 21 days of fasting, that's what your church does every year. You're just going to go with food, without food for 21 days. <laughs> I was like, well, hold on. Now, maybe, maybe some people will be called to go 21 days without food. Um, but, but for most of us, what we're going to do is take these first few weeks of the year here and we're going to set them apart. And what we're going to do is we're going to say no to good things that God has given us like well, screens are up in the air. I don't know if those are a good thing yet. We'll, we'll find out in eternity if those things were actually good for humans or not. Um, but we're going to say food. We're going to say good things like caffeine or good things like screen time, different things that we're going to say no to now so that we can say yes to more important things. So we can say yes to cultivating an appetite for heaven, for the things of heaven, for the things of Jesus. And so what I'm inviting everyone in our church to consider over these next few weeks is um, here's, here's a few ways that I think you can prep yourself for this fast really well. First things first, I think you should decide a purpose for your fast. What is the purpose that God is calling you into during these 21 days? Maybe you're going to pray really specifically for a lost friend or family member who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe you're going to feel called uh, to pray for our nation, for our city. Maybe there is a sin that you have been holding hands with for too long and it is finally time to let that thing go. Fasting, by the way, if you are struggling with something physically, whether it's with your eyes, whether it's with what you're eating, the things that are coming out of your mouth, if you are struggling with something with your flesh, fasting is one of the best practices I can offer you today that you can practice saying no to your flesh, building yourself up and saying yes to the things of God in your life so that when it comes time, when that temptation is put right in front of you, you actually now have the power to say no because you've been practicing that muscle when it's not right in front of you. Does that make sense? So I don't know what the purpose of your fast is, but I think you should decide a purpose for your fast. Then you should decide what kind of fast you're going to do. There are several different kinds of fasts that we see all throughout scripture. I don't have time to unpack all of it right now, but there are partial fasts, like a Daniel fast, where you'll set aside meat and you'll set aside basically everything that tastes good, right? And you'll eat fruits and vegetables for a while. Um, there, there are other ways that you can just decide to go partially without coffee, without sugary sweets. And you can just say, hey, I'm going to set aside these things and I'm just going to make these things. Set aside maybe eating out, but you're going to partially eliminate something from your diet so that, again, you can cultivate more time in prayer, more time in worship, more time reading the Bible so that you can uh, practice getting closer with Jesus during these 21 days. Then there's a total fast. Uh, I would encourage you, try this sometime. If you've never tried it, you can go without food for some time. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe you've never done this before and you want to set aside lunches. You're going to, set, you're going to fast for a lunch during these 21 days. Great. Take a step. Try something new. That is my challenge to you is that if you're physically able Try going without food for some period of time during these 21 days. I don't know if that's a day. I don't know if it's three days, 10 days. Maybe it's the full 21 days. But what I would ask of you is that you consult your doctor. And depending on what kind of medication you're on, you, you maybe should or should not be considering a food fast. That is something that is between you and your doctor. But there are some medications, there are some diagnoses where it would be wrong for you to consider doing a food fast. But for those of you who are medically, physically able to give it a try, I would encourage you, let's set aside some time and actually stir up hunger in our bodies so that we can be reminded that we are actually more hungry, not just for food, but we're more hungry for the things of Jesus in our life. Amen? So 
You set aside a purpose and then you make yourself a plan. What kind of fast are you going to do? The other kind of fast would be a soul fast. And this is where you would maybe set aside things like social media or screens altogether. And you would say no to the things that sort of distract or cloud up your soul and keep you from plugging into and abiding with the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I'm actually challenging all of our church in three different ways during this fast. The first is to make it to a prayer gathering. You just heard Katie say it. We're rotating the prayer gatherings through different times of the day throughout the three weeks because we believe that one of these will fit on your schedule. Even if you're like, hey, I can only make that lunch break. I have a one hour lunch break. Good, leave your work, come here. If you can only be here for 15 minutes, that is gonna be 15 minutes better spent in your day than 15 minutes just staying at the office. Get here, even if you can only be here for part of it, get to at least one of these, maybe several of them, maybe come for every single one. We won't have childcare during them. So they're gonna be kind of messy. They're gonna be kids crawling around. I expect it to be noisy. Listen, parents in the room, I tried so hard to put my dad hat on yesterday and to prep my kids' little hearts for this fast that was coming up. And I had this, Katie and I sat them down at our table. We started to have this really serious conversation. My kids, I finished it up. I was preaching. It was good. Man, like angels were right there, like singing with me at the table. And my kid looked right at me and he was like, can I have some Sour Patch Kids now then? Or what, you know what? (laughs) So listen, parents, that time is not meaningless though. Have simple conversations Make space in these 21 days to explain why we're doing this. Why are mom and dad doing this? What is it that we're most desperate for in our life? Is it for dessert or is it for actually Jesus to pierce through into our world and interrupt our life? So set some time aside, come to a meeting. The second challenge is go without food in some way if you're medically able to. And the third, I would probably be maybe the most challenging part. I'm gonna ask that you would lay down the screen for these three weeks. Set aside your screen not necessarily for work. My kids were like, so that means I don't have to go to school? I was like, wrong again, kids. Like you're going to school. You're looking at the screens at school. But when we get home, we're not playing Minecraft. We're not turning on the TV. We're not watching Netflix. We're gonna set aside our screens. I'm gonna put away social media for a few weeks. I'm gonna get off the news feed for a few weeks. You could turn off CNN, quit listening to Fox News, set them aside for three weeks, open up some room in your soul for you to hear God's voice and so he can lead you and guide you in this time. So you can find treasures that he has for you in your relationship with him. Amen? So that's the fast. No, you don't have to go 21 days, but maybe you should consider going a couple days without food and seeing how much, how hungry you can get to see that, man, this body, it's actually not in charge of me. You know what I mean? Jesus reigns and rules here and I'm gonna put off my flesh so that I would say yes to what matters most. So, 21 days of fasting and prayer. I would love it if you'd consider joining us during this time. Um, Okay, so for our our series this morning, we're gonna open up Psalm 71. We're gonna camp out here. We're gonna kind of bounce in and out of it over the next few weeks, but I would love if we could do something maybe just a little different this morning. Could we just stand as we honor the reading of God's word? We're gonna read all of Psalm 71. So if you have your Bible, open it up in front of you. Even if you got your, your glowing Bible, you got your phone Bible, get that out. That'll work too. But we're going to read Psalm 71. We're going to read the whole thing, all 24 verses. Here we go. It says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. 
my praises continually of you. I have been as a portent to many. Hands up if you just know what the word portent means. All right, a couple of you, smarty pants. We'll, we'll come back to it later, don't worry. I've been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and they say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him, seize him, for there is no one to deliver him. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace, may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually. I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, any gray hair in the room, come on, this psalm is in part for you, but also for all of us. Even so to old age and gray hairs, O God, don't forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. You, have, you who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness. O oh my God, I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteousness, help your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed, those who sought to do hurt to me. Amen? Amen. If we wanted to, we could say, this is the word of the Lord. And you guys could all say, thanks be to God. Hey, you can go and have a seat. Have a seat. You know, science says that if you're standing, it's easier to be an active listener. So I just love when God supersedes science and he just kind of helps us do all that right. Um, I I, I love this psalm. I've been drawn to this psalm over the last several weeks. I've just been meditating on it. And what we have here is we have a psalm uh, possibly written by David. David doesn't claim authorship of it, but most scholars think it's probably David. Probably when Absalom is kind of running amok in his life, later on in his life. He, but what we know for sure is that it's a man in older years who has some wear off the tires, if you will, of this journey of life. And he's under duress. He feels like he's under attack. He's praying for the enemies that are persecuting him. And what he's doing is he's tethering his hope now for the breakthrough that he's asking for now in who God has always been in his life. He has this prayer that casts his mind all the way back to the faithfulness of God from his youth, from the days before he was born, who has delivered him, who has saved him, who has brought him to safety. And he's asking, God, would you be that evident? Would your, would your power be that evident in my life now as it has been always? Notice that when the calamities come, when the trials come, when the sufferings come for this elderly man who is, his, his strength is thin, he feels like his, his body is failing him, he is resolved to put his steadfast hope on Jesus and on Jesus alone. And that's the aim for all of us, hopefully, right? It's a lot easier said, it's a lot easier read than it is done. But what, we, what we're gonna look at today is this phrase that the psalmist writes here, important to many. What that word portent means, it, it'd be, maybe be easier understood in English as a wonder, a wonder to many. The word kind of harkens the writer's mind back to the wondrous works of God's power in Egypt, 
when God did these amazing, powerful displays of who he was, where he just like revealed how awesome and mighty and majestic he really was over all the gods of Egypt. And he says, that same power, let it be evident, let it be at work, let it be that mighty in me to those who are attacking me, to those who have put me under duress. Let me be, let my life be a wonder to many. And that is the title of our series, that we, people of Good Shepherd Church, that our lives would be a wonder to many. This, this is crazy because, listen, I don't know if you believe this or not, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. And so there is power that's at work in you. There's a boldness that's at work in you. And I absolutely believe that in this next year, what I'm hoping that God is going to do in our congregation is he's going to give us testimonies, stories to share that make our lives, make the things that are happening in our lives look as a wonder to many. That word wonder, it, it's so odd as an emotion. It stirs up both terror and majesty. Like it has both of these sides of like fear, but also uh, just completely lost in, enamored by. What, like it's this, it's this stirring of emotion that brings us to go, well, I'm not really sure how I should feel about that person. Like they're just, they're kind of they're weird. They're kind of terrifying. They keep, they fast. They, they pray, they put things to death in their body. They put off the things of this life. They're, they're so fixated on, a, on another world to come. I'm so wondrous about who they are as a person. There's a story that God's writing in your life. And I think that what he most intends to do with that story is share it with the world around you so that he can be glorified. And so we see at the very, uh, let me tell you this. Um, several months back, Katie and I, we were, uh, we were up in a cabin asking the Lord for some direction for this upcoming year for our church. We were just going, man, God, I don't know why you put us here. It's, a, it's an amazing, uh, humbling privilege that it is to be seated as the pastors of this church, leading this church. And so we're just going, God, would you give us some direction for this upcoming year? And I felt like God was leading me to kind of look out. We're looking out the windows of this cabin across uh, the river. There was a river out front. And just on the other side, uh, the East Troublesome Fire just a couple years had just swept through that side of the riverbank. So on one side of the riverbank, you have life and everything seems to be fine. And on the other side, all you have is what looks like post-apocalyptic world. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just burnt trees that are just kind of still standing sticks out there. And I feel like God was just like, hey, just look, look out there. Look across the window, look across the river. What do you see? And as I was looking, I was like, it looks lifeless. It looks harsh. It looks cold. It looks miserably cold. I had spent the morning trying to, you know, flex my masculinity for my wife by getting a fire started in this little fireplace. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get the dang thing to stay lit for more than like 10 seconds. And I was completely emasculated, right? I just was like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, babe. Like, I want to be warm. I just can't get this thing going. Finally, hey, finally, I did get it going, but it was like completely embarrassing. So I'm looking, it's like 10 degrees outside it almost feels like it's not snowing, but the air is just kind of freezing on its way down, right? So there's something coming out. You know those mornings? I'm like, God's like, what do you see out there? And I'm like, man, I just, it looks miserable. And he's like, no, but keep looking, right? I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but I think the most common way that God speaks to us when we're asking for him to speak or for him to reveal something to us is with a spontaneous thought that comes into your mind that sounds like your own voice. But oftentimes, if you're seeking after the will of the Lord and it lines up with the scriptures that he's already written to us, we can almost guarantee that God's trying to prompt us in a certain way. So I felt like God was like, keep looking. Keep looking out there. What else do you see? It's like, yeah, it looks terrible. And it looks like it's lifeless. And it looks like there's, been, there's evidence of destruction everywhere. But I also see signs of life. 
There's a river that's just barely trickling through in winter. There's grass that I can see on the ground. There are young saplings that are just beginning to sprout. And probably in a few years, this, this chunk of forest is going to be the most beautiful chunk of forest around us. I feel like God was like, that's, listen, there are seasons in everyone's life. And there are people going through different seasons of life in our church right now. And they need to know that, that life is coming again. There's breakthrough that's coming again. But right now they're, they're in this season and God's not going to waste any season that he's put any person in. I don't know what season you walked into here in this morning. Maybe it feels like winter. Maybe like your relationship with the Lord just feels cold. He feels distant. Maybe, maybe it does feel like it's the season right after this terrible destruction. Maybe there's just calamity and chaos all around you right now. And you're kind of going, God, when, when is this going to relent? When is this going to let go? This relationship is just causing me so much pain. This, this circumstance in my life is just causing me to be at my wit's end. I don't know when this is going to give way. And it's a season. It's not permanent. Just like we sang in that song, nothing this side of heaven is permanent. It's all temporary. So what's God trying to do in this season? Man, some of you, you're like, you're in the summer of life right now. Your relationship with God feels great. Your relationships here on earth feel great. You just feel like everything's going your way. And you just feel like, man, this is amazing, but it's a season. What are you cultivating in the season where everything's going right so that you're prepared for when things start to go wrong? It's a season. Life, I mean, we could read Ecclesiastes. There's a season for all different stages of life that we go through. Some of you, you're not in this disastrous season. You're not in this amazing season. I think there's a lot of us, especially as comfortable middle-class Americans, we're right in the middle of those two seasons. And it's like, how are things going with, with Jesus right now? How are things going? How vibrant do you feel in your faith right now? And you're just like, I feel comfortable. It's not too hard. It's not bad. It's not amazing. It just, I'm just sort of here. And I don't know what season you would give that here in Colorado because it feels like in spring or fall, it just could flip into anything it wants to at any time. You know what I mean? But there's seasons of life where you just feel like it's, it just is. It's not anything critical. It's not anything crazy, but it just is, just is happening. And I don't believe that's the, that's the season that God wants you to stay in. He wants you to have life, life to the full, everlasting life, life that fills you up in such a joyous way. And it's not always going to stay there. But what we have to do is we have to be people who cultivate the different seasons of our life so that we can yield whatever it is that God wants in any moments of our life. The psalmist acknowledges this. You, you always need to be prepared that life can go sideways in a second. Do you know what I mean? We read it in, in the first parts of the psalm, Psalm 3. He says, be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. I may continually come. Whoever writes this psalm has been through some of the seasons of life that they know I need to keep coming back to the Lord. It's not just that he did one thing for me then. I don't just have all this faith stockpiled on this one moment that I had with him, but I'm going to keep coming back to him because life is hard. I don't, I don't know if you believe this or not, but like the American dream that kind of just says your life is on this journey of progressive ease the longer you go, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Tell me like when you're in school, you think you're going to finally have this breakthrough when you finally get a job. And then when you get the job, you think it's finally going to get better when you get the promotion. And then when you get the promotion, you think it's finally going to get better when you retire. How many of you retired people right now have the easiest part of your life going on right now? There aren't any hands in the air. Because there's some of the oldest people in this room are walking next to and in close proximity with some of the hardest things that they've ever gone through in their life. They're watching friends pass away. They're raising their own grandkids, something they thought they'd never have to do. See, when you, when you have some grayer hair on your head, what this psalmist is trying to teach us from someone who's been through some seasons, been through some life, you better make a practice of making God your continual place of refuge. Because life's gonna go sideways from time to time. 
there are going to be phone calls you don't ever want to receive and you're going to get them someday. Who are you running to? What kind of life are you cultivating? What kind of relationship and walk with Jesus are you cultivating? Is he your continued place of refuge? Are you continually going to ask God to give the command to save you? For you are my rock and my fortress, the psalmist says. Rescue me, oh my God, from the hand of the wicked. This is a prayer that feels familiar for this guy. He's said this before. He's come to him before. The lie is that you will just sort of always be going through this easy bit of your life. And the reality is, is life's going to show up when life shows up. Sin is real. The enemy works hard to get you distracted. There are things that hurt. There are things that sting. But the offer is that God can always be our place of refuge. God can always be our place of deliverance. So don't buy the lie that life doesn't get hard. I think that's a source of so much anxiousness. And it's like, man, I've been following Jesus now for like 20 years. I should be better than this. It's like, no, life presses in. God is not impressed by our might, by our resolve. He's asking for our obedience, for our attention, and for our affection. That doesn't mean that we're always going to get it right. That doesn't mean that life is going to always go perfectly for us. Amen? So that's the first thing that we see. The second thing that we see is that every single person has a testimony. Every single person has a story. It says this in, in uh, verse 14. The psalmist says, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth, my mouth will tell of your righteous acts. The word testimony, right? It feels so Christianese. My guess is the only context that you ever hear the word testimony is when you're talking about church or court, right? You're either testifying at a court of law or you're testifying about Jesus and what he did in your name. Let me just, here's what testimony means. The word testimony means just an account or a story of what God has done, either in a written form or verbally. The word, the root for testimony in the, in the Hebrew language, it actually has this meaning uh, tied to it. That it means do it again. So every time we testify, every time we proclaim of the righteous acts of God, every time we tell the story of what he's done, what we're also prophetically asking is that, God, would you do it again? You're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so when I tell my testimony about how I went from here to here, I'm testifying that God is able to do that again. He can take you from where he took me. He can save, if he can save me, he can save you. If he can heal me, he can heal you. If he can redeem this marriage, he can redeem that marriage. God is the same. That's good news for us. Because what he's done before, he can do again. And when we're sharing a testimony, when we're declaring what God has done in our life, we're also simultaneously asking, God, would you do this again? Whether it's for a lost person, whether it's for something you're going through right now, God wants to keep moving. You have a testimony. Uh, so often I think we believe the lie that like our testimony is the power in our testimony is tied to the depth of our depravity. You ever felt that way when you're hearing someone's testimony? Like, man, the real Christians, they like were addicted to drugs and selling themselves and doing all these things. And they were down in the pit of all of it. And God pulled them up out of the miry clay and set their feet on the solid rock. But me, I just grew up in a Christian home and gave my life to Jesus when I was six at a VBS. My testimony is not that exciting. Are you kidding me? Every person, according to Ephesians 2, that is a Christian, was transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. You were brought from death to life. You, you, you experienced the actual resurrection of Jesus in your spiritual body. That's amazing. There's no boring testimony out there. There's no insignificant testimony out there. Man, and, and listen, if you're in church today and you're like, I don't, like, don't want all the people to know all the baggage that's back in my life. 
Well, hey, guess what? Every single person sitting next to you is in the same need of grace as the other person sitting next to you. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your track record looks like. It doesn't matter your story. It doesn't matter if it's squeaky clean or horrifying and PG-13, unable to share in front of children. Whatever it is, it was God that worked mightily in you. It was his righteous deeds that saved you. And so when we boast, our boast is not in our own strength, but it's in Jesus. It's in what he's done for us. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone. Everyone who's in Christ has a testimony to share. And when we share our testimony, we're asking God to do the same thing again. The third thing that we see in the psalm, third thing that we see is that, um, what is the third thing? I just love when that happens. Oh my gosh. Third thing that struck me as I was reading this psalm is that I don't just need a testimony from then. I need a testimony for today. So think about this for just a sec. So often when you hear the word testimony, if, you're, if your small group ever circles up and it's like, hey, let's share testimonies with each other. My guess is that story is going to find its anchor in your salvation or in a significant moment that you had with Jesus, a healing or something profound, something miraculous that happened. So when we share our testimony, it's like, well, yeah, you know, uh, I was saved when I was 17 years old. Uh, I was a high schooler. I was kind of just following after a girl and God just got me in the process. And that's my testimony. We know what, like, that's beautiful. And I believe it's real. And our testimony absolutely should, it should encapsulate the moment when we when we stopped living a certain way and we repented and we turned this way and started following after Christ. That's significant. But, but I need a testimony for today to get through the trials of today. I need, I need a story of what God is doing right now in my friends, in me, in my wife, in my family. I need that to cling to for the moments of today. You can't just keep relying on what God did when you were six years old to get you through the battles that you're going through today. This guy, when he's writing down this Psalm, He's saying, God, you've been there from my youth, but you, I also need you. I need you right now. Some of you are going through a situation right now where you're like, God, I need you to show up. I need you to break through. I need healing. I need hope. I need some sort of restoration now. And it's not just enough for you to keep turning back and going, well, when I was, when I was four years old and I started speaking in tongues for the first time and I said Jesus' name when I was in the nursery and I was growing up at this Baptist church, awesome, great. I hope that's my kids' testimony someday when they're growing up, that they found their anchor in the local church and grew up and don't have all of these different consequences from sin in their life. But no matter what, I hope that God's moving in a fresh way in their life today. I hope that if I sat down and grabbed coffee with you today, I could say, what's God doing with you in this season right now? And you wouldn't have to point back 46 years to say what Jesus did for you one time. I hope he's moving in some way right now. What kind of life are we cultivating now to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus in any season that we're in. See, I absolutely believe, here, let's read this last verse. Oh God, from my youth, you have taught me. I still, I still, I will continue. I'm, I'm still ongoing to proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Heard this quote this last week. Uh, I couldn't really find authorship for it, but um, it, was, it said that the, the church is always one generation away from extinction. Ever thought about it that way? We've been given a mission and a co-mission to go and make disciples of all nations, to go and share the story of what Jesus has done. Not just, listen, you share the gospel with somebody and that's the story of what God has done, period. But if you share your testimony, that's the story of what God has done in you. Both are significant. Both are important. And we have to be a people who are willing to share the stories of what God is doing in our life. I, I felt just so stirred in my spirit that for us upcoming as a church in this next year, I don't, 
I think there's just going to be a, a supernatural amount of stories that we hear about what God is doing right now. Again, if you want to share some story with us about how God healed you 14 years ago, uh, that is so, I, I, that's amazing. And that's wonderful. And I'm so glad that was formative in your experience. But what I'm asking God for, just so you know, in this fast, these 21 days, what I'm hungering for is for God to heal people now, for God to redeem broken marriages now, for God to help my friends who are hurting now. I'm asking for God to do a fresh thing, for him to do a new thing, because he's the same God back then who did something miraculous back then. Why can't he keep doing it now? I'm praying for salvation for my friends right now, for my family right now. That's what I'm eager for in this upcoming season together. We have 21 days. We're gonna set aside, we're gonna recascade all of our priorities to say, God, you first. In the beginning, God. God, you are the first, you are the foremost, you are preeminent. I want you to break through in my life. And so it's 21 days to ask God to start writing a story. Your testimony is not done writing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have breath in your lungs right now. But you still have breath in your lungs. You still have a heartbeat. You still have purpose and something that God is trying to write in your story today. So let's not grow weary in asking. Let's be that annoying guy in the parable that just is banging on the doors of heaven saying, God, come help, come help, come help. And finally, Jesus is just like, all right, listen, because you wouldn't relent, I'm letting you in. I'm going to do something now. Can we be that guy? Can we be that girl, that person in, in these 21 days? Can we be so hungry for what Jesus might do? that we just won't relent. We won't give up. We won't quit. As we end today, here's what I want to do. I want to spend some time. And I really felt stirred this morning as I was up praying for this message. I want to pray for one another. Oftentimes people will say, man, hey, pastor, worship was great. Sermon was great. The most significant time in that service though was when you shut up and we actually got to pray for each other. Happens all the time. And so I just, I had this sense and knowing the stories, sitting with some of the people, knowing what's going on in our church family right now, there are some of you and you're just go, you're going through it right now. Life is pressing in. There, there is a crisis of some sort on your hand. I don't know if it's a crisis of faith. I don't know if it's a crisis in a relationship. There's a crisis maybe at work or there's something where you're just, your strength is thin and you're worn out and you're tired and you're just, you're needing help. You're needing God's intervention. You're needing him to be your refuge. You're needing him to show his strength right now. And that's you. Here's, this is, this is going to be kind of weird, all right? And I'm just asking you to take a step of faith and to stand up in front of your, in front of your church family today. And if you stand up, what we're going to do is we're going to come around you and we're going to, we're going to pray for you. And we're not going to ask for your whole story. We're not going to ask for you to spill all the beans of what you're going through right now. I just, I simply want, if you're going to go pray for somebody, I just want you to put a hand on their shoulder and just let them know you're there. Just love them. Ministry of presence. Just pray a blessing over them. Pray an encouragement over them. So listen, here, here's the thing. Don't pass this moment if you're really in desperate need of Jesus to show up for some way, in some way right now. So if that's you, would you just, would you mind just standing up in this room right now? Can you kind of throw your hand up if you need to so we can see you? Great, see some people in the back. Go ahead and stand up if that's you. And just kind of while you're standing, just raise your hand up in the air. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Church family, right? We covered this in our value series. We're family. Just get around these people who are standing up and let's just pray for them. Let's just bless them. Let's just encourage them right now. Listen, if that's, if you can't get to somebody right now, just go ahead and extend your hand and just pray, like contend in the heavenlies for these people who are standing up around you right now. God, I pray that you would, would you write some beautiful stories out of some messy situations in our church? God, I pray even if they're really simple, 
Would we not overlook the small things? Would we recognize the, the maturing of somebody? Would we recognize just the, the ability to finally get into the word every day, the, the ability to just grow in our prayer life, God? And we recognize that there are stories that you're writing in every single one of our lives and every single one of the seasons of life we find ourselves in. And so I pray that we'd find our, our hope anchored in you, Jesus, to continually do amazing things in us and amongst us. God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Before you leave church, I want to encourage you. Over this 21 days, I think there's probably going to be some cool things that happen in your life if you commit yourself to this 21 days with us. And so we put a tab on our website that just simply says, I have a story or share a story. And if you have something, even if it's just a few sentences of, man, I really found victory over this, or I really was finally able to start doing this, or God healed me, or God saved this person, whatever it is, would you just, would you take a moment to jump on the website, jump on the app and just jot down a few sentences of whatever it is that God's doing that's special in your life right now. Those stories, if you send that in, I'm not going to drag you up on this stage and make you share it in front of everybody. We're not going to just plop you down in front of a video testimony. Uh, we're just going to, I hope that what this series means, I hope that what this time means is we're just going to get better at just sharing stories of what God's doing. Even if it's simple, maybe it's amazing. Maybe it's unbelievable. Whatever it is, I just want to be talking more about what Jesus is doing in our body right now. Amen. And so take a moment, take a few moments this week over the next few weeks to write that down. Otherwise, if you want to get more connected in a group, uh, you can stop at the house info kiosk. Um, and if you have questions, just let us know. But uh, we love you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.